Chapter 123, The Musket. During the most violent shocks of the typhoon, the man at the Pequod's jawbone tiller had several times been reelingly hurled to the deck by its spasmodic motions, even though preventer tackles had been attached to it, for they were slack, because some play to the tiller was indispensable. In a severe gale like this, while the ship is but a tossed shuttle clock to the blast, it is by no means uncommon to see the needles in the compass at intervals go round and round. It was thus with the Pequod's. At almost every shock, the helmsman had not failed to notice the whirling velocity with which they revolved upon the cards. It is a sight that hardly anyone can behold without some sort of unwanted emotion. Some hours after midnight, the typhoon abated, so much that through the strenuous exertions of Starbuck and Stubb, one engaged forward and the other aft, the shivered remnants of the jib and fore and main topsails were cut adrift from the spars and went eddying away to leeward like the feathers of an albatross, which sometimes are cast to the winds when that uh, storm-tossed bird is on the wing. The three corresponding new sails were now bent and reefed, and a storm trysail was set further aft, so that the ship soon went through the water with some precision again, and uh, the course for the present east-southeast, which she was to steer, if practicable, was once more given to the helmsman. For during the violence of the gale, he had only steered according to its vicissitudes. But as he was now bringing the ship as near her course as possible, watching the compass meanwhile, lo, a good sign. The wind seemed coming round astern. Aye, the foul breeze became fair. Instantly the yards were squared to the lively song of Ho, the fair wind, oh, he, oh, cheerly men, the crew singing for joy that so promising an event should so soon have falsified the evil portents preceding it. In compliance with the standing order of his commander, to report immediately, and at any one of the twenty-four hours, any decided change in the affairs of the deck, Starbuck had no sooner trimmed the yards to the breeze, however reluctantly and gloomily, than he mechanically went below to apprise Captain Ahab of the circumstance. Ere knocking at his stateroom, he involuntarily paused before it a moment. The cabin lamp, taking long swings this way and that, was burning fitfully and casting fitful shadows upon the old man's bolted door, a thin one with fixed blinds inserted in place of upper panels. The isolated subterraneousness of the cabin made a certain humming silence to reign there, though it was hooped round by all the roar of the elements. The loaded muskets in the rack were shiningly revealed as they stood upright against the forward bulkhead. Starbuck was an honest, upright man. But out of Starbuck's heart, at that instant when he saw the muskets, there strangely evolved an evil thought, but so blent with its neutral or good accompaniments that for the instant he hardly knew it for itself. He would have shot me once, he murmured. Yes, there's the very musket that he pointed at me, that one with the studded stock. Let me touch it. Lift it. Strange that I, that I who have handled so many deadly lances, strange that I should shake. No, so now. Loaded, I must see. Aye, aye, aye. And powder in the pan. Oh, that, that's not good. Best spill it? Wait, wait. I'll cure myself of this. I'll hold the musket boldly while I think. I come to report a fair wind to him. But how fair, fair for death and doom. That's fair for Moby Dick. It's a fair wind that's only fair for that accursed fish, that very... 
The very two be pointed at me, the very one, this one. I hold it here. He would have killed me with the very thing I handle now. Aye, and he would fain kill all his crew. Does not he not say he will not strike his spars to any gale as he not dashed his heavenly quadrant? And in these same perilous seas gropes he not his way by mere dead reckoning of the error-abounding log? And in this very typhoon did he not swear that he would have no lightning rods? But shall this crazed old man be tamely suffered to drag a whole ship's company down to doom with him? Yes, it would make him the willful murderer of thirty men and more if this ship come to any deadly harm. And come to deadly harm, my soul swears this ship will, if Ahab have his way. If then he were this instant put aside, that crime would not be his. Uh, is he muttering in his sleep? Yes, just there, in there he's sleeping. Sleeping? Aye, uh, uh, but still alive and soon awake again. I can't withstand thee then, old man. Not reasoning, not remonstrance, not entreaty wilt thou hearken to. All this thou scornest. Flat obedience to thy own flat commands, this is all thou breathest. Aye, and sayest the men have vowed thy vow. Sayest all of us are Ahab's. Great God forbid. But is there no other way, no lawful way? Make him a prisoner to be taken home? What? Hope to wrest this old man's living power from his own living hands? Only a fool would try it. Say he were pinioned even. Not at all over the ropes and hawsers, chained down to ring bolts on his cabin floor. He'd be more hideous than a caged tiger then. I couldn't endure the sight. Could not possibly fly his howlings. All comfort, sleep itself, inestimable reason would leave me on the long, intolerable voyage. What then remains? The, the, the land is hundreds of leagues away, and, and locked Japan, the nearest. I stand alone here upon an open sea with two oceans and a whole continent between me and law. Aye, aye, tis so. Is heaven a murderer when its lightning strikes a would-be murderer in his bed, tindering sheets and skin together? And would I be a murderer then if... if... And slowly, steadily, and half sideways looking, he placed the loaded musket's end against the door. On this level... Ahab's hammock swings within, his head this way, a touch, and Starbuck may survive to hug his wife and child again. Oh, Mary, Mary, boy, boy, boy. But if I wake thee not to death, old man, who can tell to what unsounded deep Starbuck's body this day week may sink with all the crew? Great God, where art thou? Shall I? Shall I? Uh, the wind has gone down and shifted, sir. The foreign main topsails are reefed and set. She heads her course. Stood all! Moby Dick, I clutch thy heart at last! Such were the sounds that now came hurtling from out the old man's tormented sleep. 
as if Starbuck's voice had caused the long, dumb dream to speak. The yet-leveled musket shook like a drunkard's arm against the panel. Starbuck seemed wrestling with an angel. But turning from the door, he placed the death tube in its rack and left the place. He's too sound asleep, Mr. Stubb. Go thou down and wake him and tell him. I must see to the deck here. Thou knowest what to say. <laughs> 